a one, a two, a one, two, three, four. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. For Ben Johnson's his name. Oh, yeah. Let's fucking go. This episode can't start any other way. I refuse to allow that to happen. And it would just be downright illogical, borderline irresponsible of me for it to start any other way. Ben Johnson, as of an hour ago, two hours ago, it is 6.23 p.m. Pacific Standard Time as I am speaking. Two hours ago, one hour ago, not very long ago, Ben Johnson has said, or according to reporters, NFL people on Twitter, Ben Johnson is not interested. I repeat, the people of Detroit, of Metro Detroit, of the state of Michigan, of Detroit natives, far or at home and abroad, wherever you may be listening, however you may be listening, Ben Johnson is not, N-O-T, not interested in head coaching opportunities. And the reason he cited is, He believes something special is happening in Detroit, and he needs to see it through. He felt it. He felt what I felt. He felt what you felt. When that game ended against Green Bay and everybody was hugging, and it really did. It was like, we did it. We're over the hump. Things are different now. Everybody, including the coaches, including a guy, get this, including a guy. Now, I don't know off the top of my head what Ben Johnson makes as the OC for the Lions. Probably a shit ton of money. I would guess it's a lot of money. Like, he's not sweating over the Chipotle Bowl for lunch. I assume it would be a pay increase to be a head coach by a lot. Like, I don't know if he's making a million a year now. I assume you're a head coach. You're making a lot fucking more than OCs, no matter who you coach for, how bad the team was, who the owner is, doesn't matter. A guy with potentially millions of dollars on the line, millions, said, you know what, Indianapolis, you know what, Denver, Russell Wilson, you know, Carolina, that's real sweet of you guys to reach out, but I got something special right here in Detroit. Not only that, not only something special that is already there and everybody, not just people in Detroit and the fans of the Lions now, but everybody around the NFL and I think the sporting world, now it's kind of faded, right? We've moved on, the NFL playoffs are going, we just finished the first weekend. But everybody in the sporting world can kind of feel, hey, how about the Lions? How about the Detroit Lions? Look at good for them, dude. I walked down the street in California, Ramstown, Chargerstown, if you want to even call it that. Not really. Nobody gives. But I walk down the street here and I'll wear a Lions shirt and people will be like, hey, how about that? Huh? <laughs> like, It's kind of funny. It's a little pathetic. I'll be honest, because I feel like a charity case. Like they pat me on the back like I just unwrapped my new bike for Christmas. And they're like, look at you. You got a, you got a bike. We've had our bikes for 20 years now, but you finally got one. That's great. So it's a little charity case, but when you're a Lions fan, when you're only used to getting dragged by the national media, being made fun of by your fans, by your friends that are fans of other teams, it's kind of nice to get a pat on the back and have someone who's a Philly fan or a Cleveland fan or a Niners fan or a Chargers fan go, the Lions are pretty cool. I like the Lions. I'm sad they didn't make the playoffs. I was rooting for them against Green Bay. I like Dan Campbell. It's fun to watch them. That, that's like a drug, guys. That shit is like a drug. Mainline it to me. I probably came on here and said it, but I think it was after we had beaten the Giants or the Jets. Went to a donut place, Sidecar Donuts, Newport Beach, California. Incredible donuts if you're in the area. 
And the guy, the donut barista, we just chopped it up. I was wearing a lion shirt. We chopped it up for like 20 minutes about the lions. It was unbelievable, dude. I walked out of that place feeling like Bradley Cooper in the movie Limitless. Of course, you got to make that connection, but I'll do it for you. Unreal. And Ben Johnson wants to come back. He's shunning a life-changing opportunity just because he feels like there's something. We're on the precipice of greatness in Detroit. And yeah, he's probably a little sentimental, you know. Tight ends coach two years ago, obviously upgraded the pass here to OC. Our offense was unfucking believable with him as the OC. He probably feels a little attachment where it's like, hey, it's not just a good team and a good offense I'm going to. It's something that I helped build. Like it, he probably feels as much as it is Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes's baby. He probably feels a little bit like, dude, the Lions are like, this is my shit. Like I helped make, I helped make this. I don't want to fucking jump ship right now. Like we might do something special next year. I don't want to get out at the wrong time. And not only that, you're leaving something potentially special to go to a dumpster fire. Like the New England Patriots, Patriots aren't calling Ben Johnson. None of these teams in the playoffs are calling up Ben. He's going to go from maybe something special in a town that hasn't seen anything like that in a very long time to you're going to win three games maybe. And if you're lucky, you'll get a rookie QB. Like. He doesn't want to do that, but what a fucking win. What a fucking win for the Lions to make this happen. I don't know. Listen, I don't know if Martha, I'm not Martha, Sheila had to sit down with him. I don't know if he's going to get a pay bump. I don't know if they were like, you know what? We can't give you any more money, but we got this nice ass house in Gross Point. Why don't you move in there? Why don't you move into there and we'll all kind of look the other way. It'll be on the Lions tab, Ben. I don't know if they made some kind of deal. I don't know if Dan Campbell just like went over for a couple glasses of whiskey and poured his heart out, started crying. Ben Johnson's consoling him on the couch at midnight. I don't know what went down or what they said, if the Lions management said anything to get him to stay, or if it was purely Ben Johnson going like, this is us. This is my thing. This is our thing. And it's going to be special. I don't want to leave now, but what a fucking win for Detroit. This is the sports story in Detroit today, tomorrow, the day after this weekend, we're going to be watching the playoffs this weekend again and going, fuck man, <laughs> we're going to be here next year. We got Ben Johnson coming back. That was the question mark. That really was. Obviously changes still need to be made. Like we've said a bunch, you got to hit in the draft and Brad Holmes knock on wood. Hopefully you heard that has done everything right this far, thus far. Um, I don't see any reason why it would stop now. We've got to use the uh, cap space we have to make more improvements. We've got to re-sign key guys, Jamal Williams. Uh, we got to keep our offensive line intact. Like there's still other shit on the checklist, but, but all of that felt more in control. Like if the lions give Jamal a fair deal, he's not going anywhere. The Lions, if they wanted to keep Swift, same deal. Like, all these guys we got to resign. John Comiskey said it best. Like, the day the fucking Green Bay game ended, he goes, I want to play in Detroit. At Lions, at Dan Campbell, at Sheila Fordham, I want to be in Detroit. That's not the difficult part. The difficult part is keeping your OC, who's got a potential to make a career move that will change, obviously, his career, but his life, his family's life. And you can't really compete. You're not going to go, sorry, Dan. We got to keep Ben. So like he's the head coach now. That's not an available option. Maybe they paid him more. I don't know what it is, but Ben Johnson was the one wild card this offseason that was kind of out of Detroit's control. It was like, hey, if Ben Johnson wants to go be a head coach, can't blame the guy. More power to him. And 
that's how the NFL works. Like it's the, it's one of those classic things like the Nick Saban's, the Bill Belichick's. If you're winning and you're running a good program and shit works, yeah, people are going to come hire your coaches. That's how sports work. That's a sign of success. People want your guys. People want the brain trust for your team. You must be doing something right. If three, four, five different teams are interviewing your guys to not only be their coordinators or whatever, to be their head coaches, to run the whole shit, you got to be doing something right. If you have one or two or three guys on the staff that everyone else is looking around going, what about that guy in Detroit? What about that young OC in Detroit? He made golf look like a fucking MVP candidate. What about him? What about Aaron Glenn? That defense, what a turnaround. They didn't really add pieces. James Houston emerged, but not a whole lot changed. What about him? That means something is going right. And it would have been depressing and absolutely would have been a loss if Ben Johnson had taken one of these head coaching jobs. Comes with the territory, guys, and I know we're not used to it. Look, we are not used to it in Detroit. Michigan fans more than anyone with the Jim Harbaugh, will he stay, will he go every fucking two seconds with that guy. Jim or Michigan fans, you're a little familiar with it, with Harbaugh always in the news every offseason. Us Lions fans, Michigan State fans, D'Antonio, there was like one scare where South Carolina opened up and it was like, oh, shit, is he going to go back to his alma mater? State fans, we're pretty used to it. The Izzo stuff, that was a long time ago with the Cavs. We're pretty used to it. Or we're not very used to it, excuse me. And certainly not Detroit Lions fans. Every <clears throat> every head coach we've had, they leave because it didn't go well. I don't know. Have we ever had a coordinator that's been signed to a head coaching position? Ever? Like in my life, in 25 years. We'll, we'll round it off. Since the year 2000, have the Lions ever had an offensive, defensive coordinator, anybody that got hired by another team to be a head coach? I don't think so. I can't remember one. I would be shocked. I would be shocked if that has ever happened before. So this is a good thing. Obviously, it's a great thing now that he's back. But just the fact that, look, no matter how this next season goes, and it should go pretty well, right? Let's deep breath. All right. Okay. We, it, you know, it is the Lions. It's Football's a tough game. Injuries happen. Shit changes. Tough schedule. All right. Okay. All right. Fine. But if this thing goes the way it should next year, we're going to be in the same boat. Aaron Glenn getting calls. Ben Johnson definitely getting calls. It's going to be the same shit. This is something that if you're a fan of a of a winning program, a high-level program, NFL, college, whatever, you got to get used to it, dude. Nick Saban's hiring new people every fucking year. That's just how it goes. That's what happens when you're Alabama and you win the natty every other year. People get hired away. Other teams who have money as well want your talent. They can't go get your players a little bit more easily now with NIL. Coaches, they can go get those guys pretty easily. We'll give you another million dollars a year. All right, fuck it. I'll leave Alabama and go coach Tennessee. All right, I'll leave Alabama and go coach Georgia. Whatever the case is, they can make that happen a little bit more when it comes to head coaches, certainly in the NFL as well. But what, what a fucking hold by Detroit. What a keep. Now it's all systems go. Now it's actually win the fucking NFC North. It is win the NFC North or bust next year. Honest to God. And I don't even know. I I don't even know how to feel about the fact that those words are coming out of my mouth. Win the NFC North or bust for the Detroit Lions. And the craziest part about all of this is... Dude, my, my blood is Honolulu blue. So, yeah, 
Yeah, there's a little bit of bias, but it's not even that. Like this situation going into next year, it's not even Lions bias. It's not even silver and blue tinted glasses. I think it's genuinely the roster we have already, the team that we saw those last 10 weeks, thinking about, well, we're going to have a lot of improvements. We've got draft picks. We've got five top 60 or 65 draft picks. Those are all guys that you kind of expect to at least contribute in some way immediately. Maybe not starting, but they'll be on the field. They'll be called on to make plays immediately. We have cap space. We already have our QB. We've already got our offensive line. We've got a few toys. We don't need to re-sign. DJ Chark, maybe we give him a little cash. We don't have a ton of key pieces that it's like, fuck, if we don't get this guy back, that's a question mark. We kind of have the skeleton in shape. Everything's pretty locked in. We're just going to make improvements to our defense, which was the Achilles heel all season long. And again, it kind of figured itself out a little bit in the latter 10 games. It is win the NFC North or bust next season for the Detroit Lions, and there's nothing in between, plain and simple. I would say that as negative as people like Woodward Sports or 97-1 want to be, they, I believe, would say that. (coughs) And certainly the national media, who we know cannot stand seeing Detroit up, I think they would say that. We've gotten to that level. And if we sneak in, maybe the Vikings come back and they're great. They win the North, all right. And if we sneak into a wild card spot, I don't think anybody's going to be pissing down their leg. Nobody's going to be throwing a pity party. You shouldn't be, at least, right? Anytime the Lions make the playoffs, that's a huge success. It'd be great to win the North. It'd be fucking incredible for them to host a playoff game. That would be unbelievable to host a playoff game. But any way in, you just sneak in. You find a fucking way. Much like this year, it was kind of like, look, we're not going to host. We're not going to win the North. But if we can sneak in, I know San Francisco pummeled Seattle. Give me the Lions team. I'd have faith. It'd be a tough game. By no means would it be the favorite or would it be like, we got this in the bag. Yeah, it'd be a tough uphill climb, but why not? Why not those guys? Coming off that Lambo win, I would have felt fucking ecstatic going to San Francisco, going anywhere, Philly, Buffalo, you name it, dude. I would have felt fine. I would have felt fine. I love the team that we had, and it's only going to get better. So if it means, yeah, well, we didn't win the North, but we snuck in, fuck it. I'll take that too, and I'll take these guys against anybody in a playoff game. Unreal, dude. Unreal, and it it feels like the stars are aligning. I've said this before. I want to say I usually – the whole like stars are aligning, this is our moment hits me a little bit more maybe with State where it feels a little bit more magical. Obviously, like those Cassius Winston years, it felt like this is it. This is the time. I'm sure Michigan fans – Felt pretty similar this football season. Like, fuck, we lost to Georgia last year. We're better this year. We beat Ohio State again at their place. This is our year. The stars are aligning. We got J.J. McCarthy. Didn't work out. It really feels like the stars are aligning for the Lions. Now, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, it's lofty. Super Bowls are hard to win. You got to be really fucking good to do that. And typically, the teams that do win Super Bowls, whether it's the quarterback, whether it's the coaching staff, whether it's a couple other people on the field, like you've got some sort of playoff experience. I don't know how much that really does matter. You would think a little bit, right? It's a little higher pressure. 
right? The crowd, maybe you're on the road. It's a little bit louder. The referees maybe are a little bit more ticky-tack, whatever the case is. I'm sure NFL playoff experience helps to some extent. But at the end of the day, football is football. And if this team, which it will be by all by all signs, if anything, it'll be better. If this team is constructed and wins games the way that they did this year, dominating up front with the offensive line, running the ball, Jared Goff taking care of it, hitting open guys in the play action. Now we can unleash Jamison Williams a little bit more for more of a big play threat. Defensively, we get after the quarterback with four or five guys. The secondary needs improvement, and they will improve. They'll make, whether it's the players we have making improvements or Brad Holmes going, fuck it, AL's not getting it done anymore. Let's go get Joey Porter, whatever the case is. The secondary will improve. That's like area number one that we have to get after, and they will. Brad Holmes is a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. But the formula for this team will remain the same. It'll be Aiden Hutchinson, James Houston, Hopefully, with our with the Rams pick, we take another defensive lineman. It'll be get after the quarterback and stop the run with four or five guys. Maybe we bolster up the secondary with another corner or two. And then offensively, we're going to run it down your throat. And when you sell out to stop the run, Jared Goff's going to pull it and hit Jamison Williams, hit Amon Ross St. Brown, hit Brock Wright. It doesn't fucking matter. That, that translates. Winning football games like that, that translates. That, it works in the cold. That works on the road. That works in the heat. That works in a dome. That works. It doesn't matter who their quarterback is. That shit works. You can run the ball. You dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides. That translates. That goes on the road. That wins in the playoffs. And that's exactly how this team's going to be made up. And on the offensive side, we just got the brains back. We just got the guy who turned Jared Goff. No disrespect, right? Goff was unreal this year. And I know he was the first overall pick. He had a couple unbelievable years in L.A. Jared Goff's not Pat Mahomes. He's not Joe Burrow. He's not Josh Allen. He's not any of those guys. Jared Goff had like a top, statistically, like a top eight season, top six season amongst quarterbacks in the league this year. We got the guy who did that. And Jared Goff had to do his part. The players had to play. Ben Johnson was a fucking mastermind all season long for Detroit. And we have that back. The keystone that we thought was slipping. We threw a little fucking grout and pestle and mortar in there, and that thing is locked right back in even more firm than it was last year. I'm jazzed. I hate that it's nine months now. <laughs> we got to wait. <laughs> this is like the most exciting piece of Lions news we've had since maybe the Stafford trade a couple of years ago, um, and now we got to wait. <laughs> we got to wait nine months to see it take the field, and when that time comes, dude, talk about nervousness. That's the one thing is now that we have the expectation, what does that look like for the Detroit Lions? What is the Detroit Lions football team that's not like hopefully going to win the NFC North or hopefully win 10 games? What is a Detroit Lions football team that is expected to win 11 games, to win 12 games, to beat the Vikings on the road, to go to Lambeau and beat the Packers again. What is a Detroit Lions team that's expected to win the NFC North for the first time in 30 years? What does that look like? How do they perform under that kind of pressure? Because the fans, like you think Detroit Lions fans are up and down as it is. You think Lions fans have a short temper as it is. You think we've been scarred by the past as it is. It's going to be elevated. Everything you felt your entire life as a Lions fan, everything you've seen, you've read the negativity from the local media, the negativity from ESPN, 
the negativity from people who call themselves fans, all of that shit is going to just be doubled coming into next year because now it's not, let's see what happens. Now it's not, well, if we don't play well, maybe we get CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. That shit's, it's out the window. Now it's, we have to win. We have to win the North. Now it's, we're going to host a playoff game. That is the expectation. That is the fucking floor for this team. How do they perform with something like that hanging over them, the likes of which we haven't seen since Barry Sanders wore the jersey? That is what's going to make me nervous. Because God forbid next season starts, I don't think it's possible that they could get off to a one and six start, but they, they're one and two. You know what I'm saying? They're two and three. People are going to start to get antsy. People are going to get nervous. And even though Dan Campbell and this team has shown in their first year, we were 0-9 or whatever it was, and then we won three in the latter half. And then this past year, 1-6, and and then we go 8-2 and in the latter half. Although they've kind of shown, like, stick with us, test it out. The formula's working. The culture's there. These guys believe it. Even if we start off a little slow, we know what we're doing. We've built a team the right way. We've built a team that can win. Even though they've kind of proven that already twice in a row now that slow starts aren't the end of the world. If they get off to like a two and three where it's not even close, it's not even remotely near one and six, but people are going to start murmuring. People are going to get anxious and start talking about there's no fucking way Dan Campbell squandering this same old lions. This was supposed to be our year and we're losing to the Brown. Like that shit is going to be running rampant. We're going to feel it as fans. Absolutely. in the media, They're going to feel that in the locker room. Whatever they thought they felt this year with people getting down after the start, it's it's going to be exemplified. Not exemplified. Amplified. By at least two. With these kind of expectations. But I'm excited. How couldn't you be? This is, this is, this is in my life, certainly the most excited I've been for a Lions season. This is, yeah, like the most expectation the Lions ever had. This is the most confident I've been in the Lions in, I don't know, since like 2013, 2014, 2015, that run where they made the playoffs a couple times and we had Stafford and Megatron. Like this is the real fucking deal. And a lot of people have already mentioned to me in my videos or whatever, hey man, like I know it's great and they're they're building, but like the schedule's tough next year. Look, the way I see it, the NFL, no matter who you play, it's going to be a tough game. There is no like roll over, show up, roll the helmet out, and you get out of there with the win. That doesn't exist in the league. Like everybody's a pro. The other team, they might be one in 10. That's a team of professionals. Take it from us when we were 0 9. We beat a couple teams. We beat the Cardinals. We beat the Packers. It's a pro team. Like we're still pros. We still have guys that are really fucking good at football. So there is no like easy schedule the way I see it in the NFL. And if we really are going to be, t- be the team, I think we're capable of, and we should be. You just go win. Winners win. You go and take that shit. We will be the feared. We might be a little nervous. Oh, we got to go play Tampa on the road. Uh, we got to play the Vikings on the road. We might be a little nervous. That might be a little scary going into that. They will fear us. We will be the team that nobody wants to see next year. As nervous as Detroit fans may feel, Going into Lambeau, Packers fans are going to be even more nervous saying, fuck, man, these guys are coming to town and it's at home. We need this win. And that's a bad football team we got coming. That's going to be us. We will be the feared in 2023. 
and we just got the fucking Lex Luthor of it all coming back to call plays again. Next season's going to be unbelievable. Next season's going to be unfucking real. Brad Holmes giving the press conference talking about how we haven't even we haven't even started with Jamison Williams. What? Like I caught, I think he got the ball like three times since he got it. He got activated every single time he got the ball. It was electric. Every single time he got the ball, it was like, oh, that's why we traded up. Every single time he got the ball, it was like, wait, these guys are all NFL players, and Jamison Williams is so much faster than them. It's it's like comical. It seems fake how much faster he is. That end around he took against the Bears. I was at that game. I remember watching him cutting it up and what just sprinting 30 yards. And I was like, this guy, this guy's faster than everybody. It's not even close. The Chicago Bears, they suck, but they have pro corners. They have pro safeties. Those dudes run four fours, four fives. Jamison Williams makes them look like they're walking, chasing after him. We haven't seen anything from that dude. We already know Amon Ra's a stud. We already know what Jared Goff can do. You protect that man and you open up holes in the run game, Jared Goff will dice up the opponent all day, and the best part is he won't throw interceptions either. Defensively, we have bums in the secondary. Okuda barely played after like week eight. Amani Oruwarie, sorry, he's probably toast. Who was it? Kirby Joseph had to come in for Tracy Walker. Deshaun Elliott was in and out towards the end of the year. We were fucking getting stops, causing turnovers, forcing punts when we needed. The front four, James Houston, Aiden Hutchinson, Josh, Pascal, Ali McNeil, were making offenses lives. Hell, John Comiskey, they were doing what they needed to do. They knew their their back end was a little weak. They did what they needed to do to alleviate that. Aaron Glenn called defense aware of. I don't know what changed. I don't know when he realized, fuck, man, we can't. Just sit back and let our corners do work. We got to go get the QB and make them make pressure throws. He figured that out, and it started to work. We're going to add to that defense. We're going to have better corners next year. The safety play will improve. It's going to be Tracy Walker, Deshaun Elliott, and then Kirby Joseph. Someone's not going to be able to play, and all three of those guys absolutely can play. The linebackers, Malcolm Rodriguez, Anzalone, I don't love him, but he was a lot better this year. I wouldn't be surprised if we got them a little more help. Derek Barnes is still there as well. This team next year is going to be built to win a lot of games. They're going to be built to make the playoffs. They're built to win the NFC North. I don't know what's going to happen with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, but fuck, dude, even if Rodgers does come back, don't care. We just saw what we did to him this year. The Bears, they'll be better. Justin Fields, yeah, he makes me a little nervous. No excuse. Beat those guys. The Vikings, I think we kind of showed we're better than the Vikings this year already. They lost their first playoff game, got exposed by another team we beat in the Giants. I'm not afraid of Kirk Cousins as much as I hate to say it. Spartan dog. I'm not afraid of Kirk. Yeah, well, let's go to Minneapolis and fucking win it this time. We should have won it this year. Let's go close the deal this time around. The NFC North, Dan Campbell said it in that video. All roads run through Detroit in 2023. End of story. No excuses. Injuries aside. Oh, well, you know, we messed up a timeout here. Oh, we missed the kick. None of that shit. 2023, all roads run through Detroit. The NFC North belongs to the Detroit Lions. Don't care about the schedule. Don't care about the road games we got to go play. We will be the feared. We will be one of those teams nobody wants to see. We will play a style of football that translates to going on the road. We'll play it in the cold. We'll play it in the heat. Doesn't fucking matter. 
2023 is the year of the Detroit Lions and Ben Johnson coming back and everything he said about why he's coming back solidifies that. Quick break. We'll be right back. In other news, Pistons couldn't tell you, um, don't care. Hopefully they're still losing because what else are they going to do when? <laughs> of course not. That would never happen. The Red Wings are toast. We talked about them a little bit last week. Um, they had just beaten the Maple Leafs. They lost a couple over the weekend. They're playing right now against Arizona. I don't know, dude. The Red Wings, the, the Red Wings it's, it's next year. We're on to next year for the Red Wings. Unless they go on some incredible run and they rip off eight, nine, ten in a row. They do they do what New Jersey did earlier on in the season. The Red Wings goose is cooked. I hate to say it. And it sucks because Lucas Raymond's starting to heat up. Mo Sider's starting to play a little better. Jake Wallman apparently is Kale McCarr light. It still isn't enough. It still isn't enough. The guys can't keep the puck out of their own net. When we give up six goals, we don't have the firepower to match it. The goaltending as great as Huso's been can only do so much. Nadelkovich is up and down and in Grand Rapids and on waivers and then back in Detroit. I don't know what the fuck's happening with him. Bertuzzi can't stay on the ice. Yeah, we got Fabry back. Yeah, Jonathan Bergeron's been great as a rookie. I don't know, dude. It's it's not enough. The Red Wings, it's just that this isn't it. This year isn't it. Plain and simple. We said it at the beginning of the year, too. I don't, you know, this was never meant to be the year. This was never meant to be the Red Wings. Here we go. Playoff run. We're back. It was meant to be, let's hang in till the end of the season. Let's make a playoff race interesting in March. I've said it a thousand times now. These guys just aren't cut out to do it. They just don't play hockey the way you have to to get to that point. They give up too many fucking goals. And they don't have Toronto's offense where they can win games 6-5, 6-4 every night. They give up three, four goals, and it's like, well, fuck it. Hopefully get a point. Maybe try and get it to overtime, but that's it. They they just don't have the firepower, and I don't know what the fix is because we got the deadline coming up. And I'm reading articles, I'm scrolling through Twitter, and I'm seeing things talking about the Red Wings. Who might the Red Wings part with? What what are they thinking at the deadline? And even though Steve Eiserman doesn't really tip his hand, guys like Dylan Larkin, he's getting floated around. Tyler Bertuzzi is getting floated around. couple things. One, I think it would be a massive mistake to get rid of Larkin. I know his contract's up. I know he's going to want to get paid. I think you fucking pay the guy. I think he's been unbelievable. This year, he's been unreal. Last year, he was great. He's finally gotten some talent to play alongside him. If the likes of Lucas Raymond, Bertuzzi, when the the 20% of the hockey season, he's healthy. Mo Sider, Ronick, guys on the back end that can feed him the puck. I think you pay Dylan Larkin. He's young enough. He plays a great two-way game. He's tough. He's not afraid to get in people's faces. He doesn't take shit off of anybody, which I love. He's the captain. He's been the captain now for a couple of years. I think he's probably as hungry as anybody in the NHL to start winning. You imagine how sick that guy is of being the worst team in the fucking league. You imagine how sick Dylan Larkin is of having to tune into the lottery picks for the draft. Nobody, nobody wants it as bad as Dylan Larkin. I think you bring him back. I know he's being floated around. I don't I don't know if that's real. I have a hard time believing Steve Eiserman is actually like, yeah, what about Larkin? I have a very hard time believing that. Unless we got like a generational haul for Dylan Larkin, which I don't know who would do that considering the contract situation. You cannot get rid of him. 
And here's my other reasoning, besides the fact that I like him as a player and the fact that he's the captain, and I just, I don't know, I think he's the type of guy that plays for winning hockey teams, although he hasn't really yet in Detroit. Um, at some point, if you're the Red Wings, you have to start winning. You have to start gaining talent. You have to start keeping good players, even if they're a little young, even if they want money. At some point, you have to put talented hockey teams on the ice. Otherwise, are we going to just play for fucking draft picks forever? Like, if you get rid of a guy like Dylan Larkin, nobody who's trading for a Dylan Larkin is giving you back Jack Eichel in that deal. You're not getting a superstar back for a superstar. If someone's trading for Dylan Larkin at the deadline on an expiring contract, they're going, we're trying to win the Stanley Cup. Why would we give you our second best player for your best player? Like, nobody's doing that. If Dylan Larkin somehow did get traded, we're getting picks, we're getting money, we're getting shit that means, all right, five years from now that'll help. Not tomorrow, not next year, not the year after that. At some point, you have to start winning hockey games. Now, Tyler Bertuzzi, a little different. Like I've said, the guy just can't stay healthy for the life of him, which sucks. Um, is what it is. I feel like, you know, there are just people like that in all sports. They just are injury prone. They come back and fucking immediately something else goes wrong. And that's just how it goes for them. Bertuzzi kind of happens to be one of those guys, which is unfortunate because like Larkin, I don't think he's as talented, but I like the way he plays. I like the demeanor he brings to the team. I think the Red Wings have been in need for toughness for years now, um, even now. Like, I feel like they could still just use more people who don't give a fuck and will let you know when they're not happy about something. I'd be more okay with letting Burt go just because of the fact that he's, you know, he's injured and he hasn't been that productive and he's not that talented and he's more replaceable. He's not a centerman. I'd be more okay with it. But even still, as far as Bertuzzi goes, like it still kind of fits into that category. What are we going to get back for Tyler Bertuzzi? You trade him at the deadline. A team acquiring Bertuzzi, much like Larkin, they want him to come improve their team right now, this year, so they can go win a Stanley Cup. Anybody who's doing that isn't giving you a good player back. They want all of the good players. They're trying to fucking win. They don't care about the draft. They're not going to give you their first-line winger for our first-line winger, and it's the same shit. Even if we got two firsts or something crazy, which that would never happen, but let's say we get two firsts for Tyler Bertuzzi. One, if he's going to a team making a cup run, those first round picks aren't going to be good. And two, what's the game plan then? We get two more first round picks. We spend them on hopefully talented players that'll become good, whatever the case. You got to wait three more years, four more years for those guys to come to the NHL and start to figure it out and develop and get stronger and get used to the NHL speed. We're just going to keep putting it off forever and ever and ever. At some point, you have to stop gaining draft picks and gain actual players. We're already in the period where it's like, we have some talent. We got Lucas Raymond. We got Mo Sider. We got Bergeron. We got Soderblom. We got more guys in the AHL. We got more guys in Sweden. We're already in the waiting period. We're waiting for Marco Casper to figure it out. We're waiting for Sebastian Cosa to figure it out. We're waiting for Soderblom to figure it out. We're waiting. Bergeron's been good. We're waiting for him to get better. Raymond's been good. We're waiting for him to get better. Like, we're already at the point where we've got a bunch of young talent. We've had the draft picks. We've hit on the draft picks, some early, some late. But we're waiting for all these guys as it is. You just want to wait longer? 
you start getting rid of your guys who are kind of in their prime years right now, who do produce, who do play the games, who do score the goals, who are the reasons that you win the games that you do, you get rid of them and we're just waiting longer. We're just, all right, we'll take this guy in 2023. And then hopefully by 2026, he's making a difference for the big club. At some point, at some point, it's not about the picks. It's not about what what is this pick going to be in three years. At some point is what is this going to mean for the team next year? What is it going to mean for the point total next year? What is it going to mean for getting back to the playoffs? At some point that has to happen. And for the life of me, I can't I, – I, I don't have it in me to, to withstand the Red Wings being like, well, let's – we're not that close yet, so let's set it back. The Tigers are literally doing that right now. Tigers just rebuilt for seven years, about to rebuild again. Don't even get it. Don't know how that happens. Pistons, been rebuilding since 2010. Getting first-round picks, first overall picks. Getting Jaden Ivey, getting Duran, getting young guys that are sweet, that, oh, my God, so much potential. They're going to be great. Still fishing for lottery picks. At some point, the rebuild needs to be over. And the Red Wings, it's felt like, at, even though this year's been a little disappointing and they're not going to make the playoffs, they're still building a little bit. They're better than they were last year. At some point, you need to, like, push the team to get over that hump because waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting forever isn't going to get it done. Like, if we're waiting for Connor Bedard to fall in our laps, not going to get it done. I'm aware that the Red Wings are lacking an elite, elite talent like that. You can't just wait and pray and hope someday a Connor McDavid falls in your lap, dude. That's not going to happen. Connor McDavid, him and Dreisaitl, two of the best players in the NHL. Edmonton hasn't done shit with those guys. And they have two of them. They haven't done a thing. I don't understand the logic of, well, there's no sense in trying to win now if you don't have an extremely top-tier forward. Listen, I think Dylan Larkin is a pretty top-tier forward. I don't think he's McKinnon. I don't think he's McDavid. I don't think he's McCarr. I don't think he's one of those guys. I think he's maybe in the tier right below them. We've got some talented players. We've got some top-tier guys. Help them. Bring in more talent. Spend the cap space. Maybe one day when a Patrick Kane, maybe not him because he's a little bit too old, but when there's a superstar who's in his early 30s, late late 20s, who wants out or a team's ready to go into a rebuild, maybe we give up some of our draft picks, some of our guys in Sweden, and we go, all right, we'll give you these dudes who will be nice in four years for the guy that's really good right now. At some point, the Red Wings got to go for it. I understand they're probably going to be sellers the way this year's going, and that's probably the right call. But when I think of sellers, I think of, all right, sell Ben Sherratt, sell David Perron, sell these veterans, sell these guys who may or may not be part of the long-term picture to get a second-round pick or to get something that maybe you wrap into another trade or, all right, we'll take our shot in the second round with this kid from Slovakia, whatever it is. I don't, I don't envision the deadline selling going, let's get rid of our top-tier guys. Let's get rid of the captain. Let's get rid of these guys who we know are playmakers, who we know make teams better in hopes that we get a draft pick who will be a guy that makes a team a little bit better, but also might not. I just don't get it, dude. I, I don't get it. And again, I don't know the validity to the reports because Stevie doesn't really say anything, but the idea of like trading Dylan Larkin just makes no fucking sense to me. People don't want to pay him. Dude, you got to pay guys eventually. 
you're a good team, that means you have good players. If you have good players, that means they want money. If you want those good players to stay with your good team, you've got to pay them the fucking money. Just how the world works. It's how sports works. So I don't know. I, I sickens me saying people go, well, what about Larkin? Why? Do you never want to be good again? Ever? Do you never want the playoffs to come back to Detroit? Fuck. Fuck me. Thank God Ben Johnson's coming back, dude. I don't know what I'd do with myself. Ben Johnson goes to Denver. The next day we trade Dylan Larkin. I don't know what I would do. God damn it. In other news, Jim Harbaugh's back in Michigan. Not surprising. Um, at all. I don't, I don't get his thing. Why? Why? Why is he constantly like, actually, I'm gonna go. Actually, I'm gonna stay. No, no, I'm gonna go. Actually, I'm gonna stay. Eh, I'm gonna go. Why, Jim? Just fucking make up your mind, bro. You want to coach at Michigan? Just coach at Michigan. What's the deal with the Jim Harbaugh fanfare? I don't I don't understand it at all. It seems like all the reports afterwards, Santa Ono, the president of U of M, I guess he got involved talking to Harbaugh and convincing him to come back. And it seemed like it was pretty straightforward. Jim Harbaugh wanted to be at Michigan. Santa said, we want you at Michigan. And now he's going to be back at Michigan. What's the deal with all the other fanfare? Why the hell was that any, any of that necessary? Why was he talking about Denver? Why is he talking about the Colts? Why is he saying, I don't know what the future holds? I don't understand it. But good for Michigan. They're going to be great again. Their entire offensive line's coming back. I guess nobody likes money there, so that's great. Blake Corum's going to be back. Their defense, except for like three starters, will be back. Michigan's going to be really fucking good again. So rejoice, Michigan fans. Jim Harbaugh tricked himself. I guess trick the NFL. I don't jokes on Goodell. I don't really know who the jokes on, um, but it's not Michigan fans. I don't think because he's going to be back and they're going to be really fucking good. So that's all I got this week or not this week today. The Ben Johnson news. I mean, that's, that's all I really cared about, right? Nobody's really paying attention to the Pistons, the Tigers, who gives a fuck. And then, um, Oh, they, they changed the dimensions of Comerica. Woohoo. Go Tigers. And um, the Red Wings are losing. So, it is what it is. It's a Ben Johnson. This is a Lions town right now. That's all we got. It's the Lions. It's good news around the Lions. It's positive things. It's momentum building. It's us being happy because we have something. And it that something happens to be with our most beloved franchise, the Detroit Lions. All right, that's all I got today. We'll be back Friday. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. Maybe some NFL. Maybe the playoffs a little bit. That'd be kind of fun. Maybe some more Lions news. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about this past season for the Lions. I'm not really sure, but we'll be back Friday. Um, new drop on the second string.com is live now. I said in 2023, we were going to go out of the borders of Michigan a little bit. First team we're going to do that with the Dallas Cowboys. If you're a Cowboys fan, you know, Cowboys fans, they just beat the brakes out of Tampa the other night. Dallas drop is live on the second string.com. Check that out. We'll have more and more coming. As the season, or as the season, as the weeks, as the months, as the year goes by. Got a UGA Natty Champs design coming any day now. That thing, hopefully by next weekend. Um, it's fucking tough to pump these things out immediately. I tried to get it out as soon as possible, but I don't know. It's tough. Other shit's going on, so we'll have that coming out. Keep your eyes peeled. As always, I appreciate everybody who listens, supports, shares, all that good stuff. Supports the brand, the podcast, the videos, whatever it is. Hope you have a wonderful week. I'll be back Friday. 